Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful, your source for everything Houston Dynamo. I'm the Sinski Man, and with me today is Emmett. Hey, Sinski, looking good today. Manny. Hey, thanks for having me again. And Kyle. Sinski, welcome back. I'm glad you guys are here. Today, time will be dedicated to reviewing our massive victory over Miami, looking at some Dynamo transfer news, checking out our Texas rivals, and of course, forecasting our match against San Jose. Let's dive in. All right, last match, we won 3-1, guys. I still can't believe it. I'm still buzzing. Manny, what kind of stats uh, jump out at you from this match? Oh, man. There's only one stat that really jumps out at me from this match, and that is 26 match games winless away that we broke. 585 days since we've won away. I have a kid that's almost that old, and that means she's never been alive while the Dynamo have won an away game. That's wild. That's that's the stat. That's the stat that sticks out to me. I know that, you know, we won 3-1. Awesome. Great. I don't think that, you know, overall, this was like a dominating game for us or anything like that. I think there's a lot to be taken away from this that we can improve on. But that's the stat, Sinski, is, is 585 days since we had last won away from, from home. All right. All right. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that. Away wins are, they're like that rare unicorn, right, for the Houston Dynamo and... Now we're riding that unicorn. We're like flying over the rainbow on that sucker. It's been pretty dope. Kyle, what are your takeaways from that match, man? Pretty excited? Pretty dope? So excited, man. I mean, you can't not be pumped about winning, winning away. Not necessarily dominating, but 3-1 on the score sheet looks fairly dominant. So, But man, I think one of my biggest takeaways and one of the things that's got me most excited was the clip that the Dynamo posted on Twitter of Paolo Nagamura celebrating at the final whistle. Yeah, The dude leapt out of his shoes. He hugged everybody he could find. Um, I saw this going around on Twitter. It was like Dom Kinnear vibes. Like it was like we were back in the old days. We had an exciting coach that like really wanted to feel the energy with his team. And you could tell what it meant to him, what it meant to the organization, what it meant to me as a longtime fan (laughs) to just see that again. Like, man, I was, I'm still, I'm still pumped about that. There's so many good takeaways from the game there's a lot of work that needs to be done still but man that was that was lovely to see Paolo is I think he's he's bringing that energy back to Houston and this team is is fighting for him I think you're right man a lot of the players in that clip were running to him it wasn't like he was telling them come here come here or whatever they were taken off to him so whatever kind of thoughts you might have on Paolo I think it's pretty clear that the team is fighting for him they're playing for him and I don't remember that at all with Tab last year. I don't even want to think about before that. So I think he's really doing something at that club, and I'm pretty excited about it. Manny, what you got for me, man? Oh, I was just going to add to that. I love when a manager or coach like loves the goal. You know, so there's managers, obviously they want their teams to score, but I love a manager that just absolutely loses their mind when their team scores or when their team wins. And Naga was just like exuberant about all of that in this game. That was that was fantastic. I I love when a manager is all about his club like that. Like I don't think if Phil Neville won this game, I, I don't see him hugging any players on his team, and I don't see him jumping out of his shoes from that win. I love when we have to have a manager that's like that's like that. It's great. Yeah, I think Phil Neville's trying to get himself out of Miami. Emmy, you think- got any takeaways from this game? Man, I just love the fact that it was. 
not only a win, I'll take a win any way you can get it, but it was a win at somebody else's home field. We went in there, we showed him what we were about three points all the way home. You know, it was that crazy rain delay stuff. And I just felt for a moment there, I almost felt bad for the fans, right? The only thing more disappointing than getting rained on while waiting on the weather delay and being the team that finally gave us a road win is remembering that you have to drive 45 minutes back to Miami because you actually don't play in Miami. You play in Fort Lauderdale. So it was just a it was just a loss all the way around. A loss for the for the for the whole team, for the whole squad. They had a long ride back. They could think about it. So I loved it. Dom stoked for it. Yeah, what a game, man. I'm still I'm still riding high. I feel like I can't even get my words right. I'm so excited about it. Who do, who's your standout player, Manny? Who was the player of the game? And I'm not talking about Fafa who got the two goals, you know, obvious, right? But who's the guy in the background who really stepped up to the plate and did something special to, that night for you? You know what? I'm I'm not going to say a player. Actually, I'll say that Clark, he's been big this season so far. He had four saves again this this game. Again, I think that Miami in general is a, a garbage. Uh, I think I've said this on the last on the last pod is a, just a dumpster fire. I feel kind of bad for players that I like, like Yedlin. I like Yedlin. I, I can't stand that he's on, on that team because I just feel bad for him, really. But... <laughs> <laughs> but Clark again came up big. My player, quote unquote, player of the game, though, it's not even a player. It's the fact that we had 16 fouls and I think only four yellows. If you're talking about a team that wants to get stuck in, 16 fouls is only four yellows. Like that's how you do it. You get you get four yellows, you get no red cards, you get nobody that gets more than one yellow card. That that is getting stuck in. That is being an aggressive physical team. I love seeing that. Even if it, you know, didn't always pay off and getting more goals or or you know, three, three still good. I, yeah, I love seeing them get stuck in like that. And that being just a, a dominating factor for me. So the fouls were my player of the game for, for me. <laughs> all right. All right. Who is your uh, sneaky pick for background player who really stepped up? I think Griffin Dorsey keeps making like a really, really solid effort to lock in that starting right back spot. Is he doing, is he claiming it for his own? I don't think he's doing that much wrong. You know, he's playing well. He's Playing consistently, well, I mean, he's getting minutes, which is always helpful, you know, like you got to be on the field to to start performing consistently. But he just does everything, I think, really well. He works hard. He's not giving away like really dumb, unnecessary challenges and fouls. I think he's a smart player. He works hard. He's driving up that right side of the field. He's giving us an extra outlet and attack. I think he continues to be one of our standout players. I, I don't know. It's great to have rotation with Zeka. I think that Dorsey continues to make that spot his and I'll just give big props to our our back four in general. Our defense this year from you you pick any year from like the last six, our defense has improved by miles. And I mean, you can just tell that that is where we're building our foundation is just not allowing slip ups in the back. And we're going to keep working on the front half of the field. But yeah, defense is is standing out. And me, I'm Manny. I include Steve Clark in that. He's he has provided a uh, a bit of a wall back there big time you know what they say defense wins championships offense wins games so that's what we're starting doing start from the back to win those championships okay okay yeah i want to <laughs> i want to talk about that defense a little bit more a little later uh emmett you got any uh standout player for this uh past game yeah yeah absolutely you know we we're talking about the the defense you know in the wall the solid wall back there I, I had to laugh so much when i think it was around the 55th minute 
we put a wall of Fafa and DQ together, and I promise it had to be the shortest wall possible that we could even throw out. I think Fafa tips out at like five seven, uh, DQ's like five five. So they they were just there. You know, maybe they Is were making Fafa funny faces or I'm something. A, five, seven, I don't know. Eight. Hey, it's about heart. It's about heart. <laughs> no, they had all the heart right there in the wall. Uh, you know, you asked the question, Siski, about who had the sneaky night. You know, obviously yeah. Fafa with the two goals had a great night, but honestly, for me, I think it was teenage. I think without him, we lose a lot of the lethality that we have going forward. Just the ability that he was to not only win challenges, win some of those last minute challenges where he really probably saved some goals, but I think he also played some very decisive through balls to really start the attack. I was I was really impressed. I think he had a really strong all around game. Yeah, let's let's talk about that defense. We've got a lot of center backs who seem to be able to put in a shift. Our captain hasn't been on the field in two games and I love me some Tim Parker, but I'm not exactly missing him with how the defense is playing. What do y'all think about Bartlow? Manny, what was your take on Bartlow's uh, debut start? Yeah, you know what? I will say that Jake has kind of been singing his praises even before he got this start. Um, he, I think he played for Dynamo Dose last week and had a pretty solid game. Yeah. Um, and, and Jake uh, you know, was telling us that in the draft, he was really highly rated and he just um i think he had an injury so he had to sit out for the for a year so that was kind of you know maybe a detriment to his his growth but he stepped in and you know maybe he had some nerves a little bit but overall he he did what he needed to do i think i think he had a couple blocks at least um maybe maybe a little more than that but yeah kyle what are your thoughts on that yeah as soon as we saw the lineup bartlow was like our big discussion point immediately in our text group because absolutely Tim Parker, Daniel Serres, Teenage, like these are the names you expect to see. And then you see Ethan Bartlow <laughs> making the start. Um, you know, it is a way to Miami, so maybe not a bad starting game to get him in there. But it was surprising. I think you could tell he, he had some nerves, like he played a little bit um, uncertain at times and a little bit like a like a uh, wild puppy dog that got loose. But he handled himself well. And I thought he partnered really well with Teenage. Teenage kind of gave him, um, like Emmett was talking about, like that solidity and that consistency in the back. And then Bartlow just kind of grew into the game. He only got shook one time on a on a decent chance for Miami. But, you know, Teenage was there to clean it up for him. But outside of that, I thought he played really well. And I think it's never a problem to have a good rotation of center backs. And Dynamo doesn't care to tell us what's happening with Tim Parker. Maybe he's long gone. We'll never know. But it's good that Bartlow is, uh, is stepping not. in. I, I don't know, man. We haven't seen him in, in weeks at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. I It's going to be a sad day for me when Tim Parker goes. I know he's on a big, expensive contract. I just I just think he's a stud man back there. He's a stud back there. Yeah, Bartlow, I think he had some slip-ups. I think there was a point where... Uh, he got juke pretty hard and teenage had to save the day. I think a couple of his blocks were a little bit more like my body's just already here and you're kicking it at me. But that's soccer. That happens all the time. Kind of excited to see him grow. I don't want to be too reactionary and say that he's breaking into the starting 11 right now. I think some more time at Dynamo Dose is going to do him some good. I think Jake used the word dominant on his Dynamo Dose performance last week. I wish Jake were here to to comment on that because I know he's a big Bartlow bro. So that would be really fun to hear him just just praise him out. Let's see what other big things happened in the game, Emmett. Well, just just real quick, if we can talk about the center backs. I, I really like the idea of our center backs being able to play progressive passes. And you saw that this past game where almost Matias Vera was almost looking at 
teenage to be able to play that pass. And so if you can take teenage and pair him with Parker and they can both do that, like that's very, very strong to be able to play from the back like that. That's kind of the modern game, the modern approach to starting the attack from the very back line there. So I, I just, I'm kind of geeking out tactically about what that could mean and how the, and who that could release. I just wanted to throw that in real quick. Manny, would you say that's one of Parker's uh, weaknesses is that he doesn't seem to look for that big progressive ball, that progressive pass to the further up guys? He wins balls in the air and he can block a shot. But uh, when it comes to passing out from the back or trying to make a progressive pass, even if it's not a cross field pass like or, or it's like over half field, just something further up, it's not really Parker's strong suit. You know, he's always looking for that sideways pass to give to someone else to push up or to give it to a, a a right back or left back to, to run it up the field. But yeah. yeah, if we want to play progressive out the back, I can understand why Tim Parker might be uh, taking a little bit of a rest right now. Yeah, I heard something about a muscle injury from a Dynamo Insider. I say I heard it, uh, read it on Twitter. And, you know, I want to believe that Tim Parker's injured, that Starez is injured. It just seemed a little bit fishy to me that we've got two players who were looking like to be the guys and then all of a sudden very hush hush on why they're not there but you know what i'm gonna trust dynamo insider the guys and steered me wrong yet let's talk about our striker sebas emmett what are your feelings on our four million dollar man i do i do have feelings about our four million dollar man you know they said it on the the Dyna bros podcast scroggins and jake did but playing striker playing a top right you have those strikers that are confident they're hitting on all the cylinders and it just seems like they're going to find a goal no matter what and we just haven't seen that from Sebas yet you know I think that he's still learning his team he's learning where to look for the ball I think there's some tactically things that may not necessarily suit him at the moment but I do think it is something he can grow into. I think it's something that as the team forms around him, they can look for him in certain areas, specific zones where he likes to get the ball. I think especially when when DQ and that synergy together, I think it could be a lethal pairing. But as of right now, I just feel myself getting disappointed over and over again, whether it's his movement, whether it's his lack of being able to hold up play and and move the ball around. It seems like he's constantly getting dispossessed. There were a couple times where it looked like he made a good pass and really it was just, again, the defender dispossessing him and the ball bouncing in the right direction. So uh, it, it leaves me uh, with my heart a little bit shattered, but I'm, I'm choosing to have some faith here. I've got to say that I'm still on the Sevis train. I think he's going to come real good for us. I think attempting that bike the way that he did there was pretty impressive. And I think if Dorsey does solidify that right back position, Dorsey's been putting in some more and more accurate crosses as this season has progressed. I know it's early, but I just feel like Dorsey is really starting to find that kind of kick and curve that's putting the ball into dangerous spots in the penalty box. And I think that's really where Sebas wants the ball. In the box where you can just one touch, get around a defender score, whatever it is. And I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. The bike to me is a sign. Yes, the confidence is not where we need it to be, but it's not it's not gone. You don't scrog and set it. You don't take a, a bike when you're not feeling it, right? And he went for it. He's he wants to score a goal any which way that he can. And that excites me. That excites me a lot. DQ scored another goal. I think that's three and five games. We bought him down over the over the preseason and he's still looking to be one of our better forward players. Manny, what are your thoughts on uh, Darwin Quintero? Is he living up to the high? 
Oh yeah, no, he is. He's definitely living up to the high. I mean, we're only five games in, but he has three goals in five games. And again, he's 34. I'm 34. I, you know, I, I'm not keeping up with these guys anywhere close. I'm not scoring goals. I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm not making this team, obviously. <laughs> I do want to say this goal. I don't know if you guys remember, the announcers threw me for a loop when one of them said the Miami defense blooped the ball. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Dorsey put in the cross. One of the defenders caught it with his toe so he, he chipped it and it nicked over and then Quintero got the ball and scored but the announcer said he blooped the ball and I lost my mind it, it is the funniest thing I think I've heard in soccer in a long time and is my favorite new <laughs> soccer term and I will continue to use it whenever someone does that from now on he blooped the ball he blooped it blooped it right into the goal it's great That's I wasn't going to mention that Dorsey's cross was slightly like janked up by the defender and that might have been why it got put in such a good area but if lucky things like that that keep happening for Dorsey. I say he owns his spot, and I say Sevis is going to catch one of those and put it in. Things can't happen if you don't try, so here you go. Amen. You miss a thousand percent of the shots you don't take. Chris Sinsky said that. <laughs> Kyle, is Sevis going to come good, or do we need to move on to Thor? Oh, it's so hard to move on from the guy that you... Uh... You so clearly believe in, you invest in. I don't, I don't think you move on from him. I think Thor like graduated college yesterday. Like he, the kid's got time. Let's let's get Sebas uh, some more time on the ball. I, I think something that Emmett pointed out, as far as our structure and the way that we're maybe tactically trying to get the ball into the box for Sebas, something I noticed today when I rewatched the game is you look at like top strikers around the world. Um, they they know how to move into the space at the right time and. What that timing comes down to is the cross. And we've bemoaned our crossing endlessly on this podcast. And I don't think it's really gotten any better. We talked about Dorsey's bloop cross. It ended up being an assist, which is nice. But we're still not really crossing the ball well. And something I watched is Sebas is making these runs when you he thinks that the cross should come and the cross is coming like two or three seconds later. We're just not yeah. getting the ball in at the right spot. And I think I can see his his instinct is there and he's trying to get into that spot in between defenders, trying to make that behind the behind the defender run. So if we can just figure out crossing, you know, at some point this season, we might get some goals from him because the guy's there and he's making those runs because he's not, I mean, Sebas is not that big of a forward. So he's got to be quick. He's got to be in the right spot. He's got to be smart. He's got to be crafty in the box, which I think he is, but we need some time. We need some good delivery to him. Him and DQ continue to link up really well. They had that nice little, they had several one twos, but they had that really nice one where it was the flick from DQ, the header back to him. DQ should have played in Baird, unfortunately. Um, But like we're seeing, (laughs) don't worry, Emmett, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there, buddy. We're about to get there. We're seeing the connection building. And I just want time for Sebas to do that. And I, I, I don't know how much longer I keep saying we give him time, maybe like four more games, but. The guy needs to score, man. This begs the question, are we playing the right people around Sebis to get him the goal? Is Corey Baird, our friend Mild Butter, the right right winger for the job? Emmett, I got I got to hear what you think on this. And then Kyle, we're going to bounce back to you once Emmett said his piece. Ask me what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Shaking my head. No. What are you doing right now? Shaking his head, shaking his head. <laughs> So before before we get to the carry, to the Corey Baird stuff, <laughs> I think something else that that is really 
not benefiting Sebis whatsoever is that, like Kyle was mentioning, when you, when you see these strikers in the Premier League, you know, when they, when they make their runs, it's the timing that's right. But there's also multiple options within that box too. So when someone is crossing over, you have multiple options for that person to cross the ball to. It's a near post run or far, pers- far post run. Someone's on the PK spot. Someone's at the top of the 18. But if you look at the way that we as a team attack those, we have two people making the exact same run. DQ and and Sebas are making the same run. So it really doesn't give our wingers who are set to cross the ball in or even our fullbacks if it's Dorsey who is you know very attacking minded when he's crossing that in he's got one option well but if two of our players are standing on top of each other then all of their defenders can just stand right there with them and there's no there's no room to breathe and so I think that also doesn't bode well for Sebis either I think the other thing I've said this in the in our group message once or twice but I hate our corner kick routine it's terrible. It's a terrible corner kick routine. And I think that that doesn't help either. You know, they do this from the corner kick, they do a short pass, and then that short pass goes to somebody else, and then they cross it in. From my point of view, it doesn't seem like it adds anything, except makes the ball and the way that it's going to curve go to the keeper. Where if you're going from the corner, you have a little bit more of that in-swinger that's going to come in. And let Sebis try to do it. You know, if he's acrobatic, let him jump up there and rise above and try to, you know, get his head on the end of a ball. And rise above. Yeah, I think Sebas can do that. But so what I'm hearing you say is that Corey Baird isn't making runs, isn't doing what he needs to do to open things up for Sebas in the box and that DQ is having to do more. But from a central position where Sebas is also in a central position without getting out of position. So you're saying it's a little bit of the mild butter's fault. Okay, I appreciate Christopher that. Christopher Sinsky. I got to hear I got to hear your take Christopher on this. Christopher Sinsky don't put words in my mouth, brother. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to let the listeners the play slightest. that back and let uh, I, our producer Ian uh finagle it to where that is what you said. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've done this uh for several episodes now, but I mean, what is what is he giving us? He he put a shot on target in the first 60 seconds and then where did he go for the next I don't know, when did he sub out? 75th minute, something like that. Something like that. I think Darwin Serin came in for him. I don't know what happened, but it just, I, I, how much time do we give the guy? I know who we should be given his time to is Tyler Pasher, but you know, something about Baird and Nagamura, they've got this relationship. I don't know. Okay. Last thing I want to talk. <laughs> you guys, you're killing me. You're killing me. There's no way. Not only did he have a great interaction in the first less than a minute in the game, but you see him constantly over and over and over again, providing defensive cover while Dorsey can make those runs up. So this was the this was the this was the first game where Corey Baird and Fafa did not continue to switch sides. Why? We don't know that. We can assume that it was because they were coach Paulo was relying on Baird to lock down the Chilean Robbie Robinson, who had a really strong game and you could see that's where they wanted to attack. That's where they wanted to push a lot of balls that way. They were relying on him as the main outlet. So they relied on Baird to put in a full shift. Offensive, defensive. It's called a complete, complete winger here. Complete winger. Minus minus goals, minus balls in, minus things like that. He's a complete wing back or fullback. Some might even say maybe a defensive fullback, perhaps. But I think the guy's supposed to be a center forward that we're putting on the wing, and I'm not seeing it happen. I'm not used to my forwards being the defenders and my defenders being the forwards. But Emmett, I I promise you know more about this than I do, but I just think you're dead wrong. Uh, before I don't know if that's up, the case. <laughs> you know it is. Before we wrap up the uh, review from last game, 
Uh, we haven't heard from Manny in a while. Manny, why don't you talk about the big PK controversy of the 56th minute? Yeah, so, you know, we got that PK. I don't know what Miami's keeper was was thinking was going to happen there. We get the PK. DQ's on the ground. The next clip we kind of see is him shoving Sebas a little bit. And at first, I know one of us Ooh. thought, somebody thought that maybe it was a, like a get pumped up kind of kind of shove. But his face, to me, did not look like a get pumped up kind of shove. It looked like an, an angry shove. For some reason, you know, we want our our striker to take that that PK, right? We want him to get the goal. We want him to take the take that take that shot and get you know break his duck, as we say. And it didn't happen. It, it went to Fafa, and we were like, why? Why did it go to Fafa? Why did why did Sebas not take that? And then afterwards, we see the celebration, and they come up, and I don't remember who did it, but they you know they pulled Sebas's his man bun, they pulled it back, which usually means like, hey. Thank you. Like, thanks for stepping aside. Thanks for letting the letting this letting this happen. So I assume that there was some kind of discussion, and Sebas gave up his his right as the striker to take the PK and let Fafa take it since he was in front of his home crowd. His dad was there. You know, we all got that that little text message with uh, Fafa's interview and how he hadn't been home in a while, and it was good to see his family and and play in front of him, which he hadn't done in a while, which is awesome and great. Like, I am so happy that he got to do that for his family in front of his dad. I love it. I'm just as sentimental as the next guy. But dang it, I want my striker to score goals. So I was a little upset about that, but it was a weird situation. Yeah, it was it was pretty weird. And uh, But you know what? I'm glad for the brace, and Sebas is going to be the next one to break his duck, and that's going to happen in the next game. So let's move on. United States men's team qualified. That was pretty spectacular. Woo! Kyle, what does that mean? And let's what's that go. Mean? Yeah, let's go, boys. Let's go. Oh, what does that look like for him? I, hey, I'm... I'm still just as pumped about that as seeing Paulo run up and down the sidelines. We, we're all U.S. men's national team fans here. We've been we've been supporting the boys for a long time. You guys all probably are in the same spot as me, where you know exactly you knew exactly where you were when the U.S. did not qualify in 2017 for the 2018 yep. World Cup. I was talking to my wife about it, and I remember explaining to her like, "I need you to be quiet." something terrible is happening right now. So now to be back where it's 2022, there's a weird world cup happening in the winter. The U S is back, baby. We are in it. We are in group B with England, Iran, and an unknown fourth team, either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine waiting on the uh, European playoffs, which I think are in June, which is basically is like four years away in my mind. It seems so far away <laughs> to find out who is the last team we're going to be playing. But man, I am just, I am elated. I am conflicted because of this weird World Cup and the things that are going on over there. But the U.S. is back. We've got a golden generation of talent that's going to represent this country on that stage. And we've got an, in my opinion, a pretty great group to, uh, to show up in, you know, England, obviously the, the top competition in that group, America was built on, on fighting against England, man. We got, we got to take it back, baby. This is our chance. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. I think it's coming home. You could say, Oh, it's coming home as they say <laughs> over there. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, super stoked about that. So I know that's not the Dynamo specifically, but I think in terms of American soccer, if we didn't mention that, then we shouldn't even be doing a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. But speaking of the Dynamo, let's get back to them. Manny, tell me about the uh, new signing that they got, that defender out of Brazil. Yeah, so I don't know too much about him specifically. I know, like I said, you said he's a defender, center back. And I know that from what we've 
seen in red, it doesn't look like he's going to be for, you know, the main team. It looks like he's for Dynamo Dose. Uh, Dynamo Dose has been getting a lot of praise these first two games. They've won both of them. They've looked good doing it. And the fact that we're bringing in top talent from other academies from a country like Brazil, you know, a soccer nation to play for our, our academy team, our Dynamo Dose is like, that's kind of a big deal. I, I'm I'm loving it. I, that maybe, you know, we were talking about earlier, we were talking about Bartlow and how he played for us on the first team and how he started off on Dynamo Dosa season. Maybe that's kind of where that transition's happening. Maybe Bartlow is going to get pulled into the first team. Maybe not for every game, but some games. And then this new Mikel is going to fill in his spot on the, uh, on the CB roster for Dynamo Dose. So I'm excited. Yeah, I guess I should clarify. I don't know if that's uh, fully official yet. From what I'm reading on Twitter, it looks like it's probably going to happen. So... Maybe we won't have to make a uh, producer Ian insert later, so that'll be nice. Man, what a stacked position for the Dynamo right now to get yet another defender potentially coming in. So, yeah, it's got to be for the Dynamo does. Another big transfer news, uh, courtesy Dynamo Insider. I wish I was friends with this guy in real life because he has got all the news, and it'd be awesome to get him on this podcast. But uh, he tweeted that Coco is here to stay, guys. Jake's little coconut. It looks like we're going to get him. looks like he's going to cost a million dollars, which I think before they were asking a million seven to let the Dynamo keep him. I know some of the podcasts out there were even wondering with Panama not making the World Cup if the Dynamo would try to keep him or if they would just not extend the loan and just let him go. Personally, I'm pretty stoked. I think he's been one of one of our best players. I just think it's pretty incredible. My only hiccup is he seems to be a very similar player to Hector Herrera. Emmett, is that a concern for you or do you think this is good news all around? You know, it's a really great question, Sinski. I'm not entirely sure where Hector Herrera is going to fit in just yet. But what I do know is we saw in this past game that we really missed Coco in the midfield. He really is has performed so well in the middle of that field, linking the plays together. Like we said earlier in this podcast, if it wasn't for teenage being able to play some of those passes, we really didn't have anybody else on the field that could that could do that, that could link those together. Um, I don't want to I don't want to invoke any of Scroggins' wrath, but you know, Mimo was just not getting it done. He just wasn't getting it done, and Shoot. I think it was very it was very clear that we missed Coco. So I'm excited to make this a permanent thing. I think it's a great deal of business. He's young. I think he's going to continue to get better. And I think he suits our style really well. So I think it's a phenomenal piece of business. 100% agree. I think you've got Coco and you've got Herrera and those guys just like being able to put balls wherever they want. I think that really lets Quintero let loose in that 10 position so he can be wherever he wants up there, roaming around, just having a great time. Doesn't have to feel like he's pulling back to link up play. Instead, he can just get forward. And uh, Darwin Quintero going forward is one of my favorite things for the Dynamo. So I think that three midfield pairing right there, double pivot, Hector Herrera, Karaskia, Quintero up with the forwards, just banging them in. Shoot. My heart's racing right now just thinking about it. I'm super excited. And then we can bring Vera in if we need to get defensive. I'm, I'm I'm a Vera fan. I'm not trying to kick him out of the team. I just think those three together... And then you bring Vera in when we need to defend. Manny, what you got for me, man? Talk to me. Yeah, I was going to double back on what Emmett said and talk about how much we miss Coco. And like he did get to come into this game and the, you know, it was, it wasn't night and day difference, but there was definitely a difference when he, when he got on. Uh, I just remember there was one, one move where he megged one of the players for Miami and Wonka was on the other side of that ball when he megged him and Wonka just completely missed it. And I was like, classic. And that's all I really had to say. The classic twofer. (laughs) The classic twofer. You make your own 
teammate as well as the opposing teammate. <laughs> there you go. In the two for one. Two Classic. for one special. Yeah, that's what you like to see, boys. He's money. Coco's money. About a million dollars worth, to be precise. Let's move on to our rival watch. You know, we've got their three Texas teams in the MLS, and the other two are nothing compared to the Houston Dynamo. Dallas had a 0-0 draw against Chicago Fire. They were away, so they're going to be satisfied with that. But Ferreira, they were really missing him. He was on the international breaks. So that's probably why he didn't play. So they get stuck with a 0-0 draw. Austin has a 2-2 draw against San Jose away. I think all that Austin hype at the beginning of the year, I don't think we need to worry about the Broccoli FC crew coming for us. I still stand strong with us going to be the top Texas team at the end of the season. I'm super excited to get to playoffs. Super excited to just wave goodbye to Dallas and Austin when we're in the playoffs. You guys have anything to say about our rivals, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, three Texas teams played away from home this weekend. Only one team came back with three points. I mean, that's case closed, right? Let's get it. Let's go. Let's get it. Can we just end the season there and just be okay with where we're at? (laughs) Yeah, let's just call call it a... Call I think season. I think Austin's still above us, so I don't necessarily want to end the season there. But that's true. <laughs> yeah, but they're on their way down. Don't worry about that. Dynamo are on their way hey, up. Broccoli Our biggest always signing gets isn't bad. here yet. Our biggest signing isn't here yet. We're going to solidify Coco as a Dynamo player, not just a Loney. There is so much for Dynamo fans to be pumped for. We've got Pasher ready to jump in on the right wing. Faf is starting to come into his own. Guys, this game against Miami, godsend. So Miami's a godsend. Austin. Gets a draw 2-2 San Jose away. And wouldn't you know, we're going up against San Jose in our next match. What do we have to look forward to there? We've got a lot coming up with the San Jose game. They're a pretty wild team. Uh, Manny, you know what's going on with them? Uh, I know that they're at the bottom of the Western Conference table. Uh, so I said this last time and I'll say it again. Playing anybody that's beneath you or has less points than you is always a good thing. You know, San Jose yeah. at this time has scored a total of six goals. So have we. But their six goals have not led to any wins. They are have uh, are yeah two ties and three losses for two points. That is Yikes. atrocious. Atrocious. So I'm I'm definitely pumped to start that run that we saw Ted talk about and Ted talk haha and move forward and see what we can do. Yeah, this this streak is going, boys. Started with Miami, it's going to continue into San Jose. Kyle, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, like Manny said, San Jose is having a rough start. I, I I read a quote earlier that they are having their record worst start through five games as an organization. That bodes uh, well. Yeah, so perfect time for them to travel away from home come to our stadium where we're starting to pick up steam. You talked about Sebas getting a goal. I think, man, this this weekend is a perfect time for him to do it. This is the team to to break the duck on right here. Yeah, I think that's happening for sure. Sebas has got to score against these guys. They sound like a, a leaky ship right now. You know what I'm saying? When you look at what their team did over the offseason, nothing major, you know, uh, three free signings, a couple draft picks, 450K for a midfielder. They did buy uh, a Bobasi from Portland, over a million dollars for him. You know, our star striker, four million dollars. So take that, San Jose. But, uh, you know, a million dollar transfer, that's pretty good. I got to say that that's the only move that seems like is going for him. And, What's he got? One goal, I think, Kyle? Yeah, if I remember right, I I didn't put a lot of effort into (laughs) studying this team who's got two points through five games. Uh, No shade. But I think he scored their penalty this weekend against Austin. And their other player, 
that got on the score sheet was Cade Cal. That that is a young, exciting player that is at San Jose. He got a men's national team call up last summer, I believe, in the Gold Cup. He's 18 and he looks like he's 27. He's got the arms of a man. He's just like he is capable. And so that would be one to watch out for as they travel to Houston. Overall, this organization seems to be in a little bit of a rut. And, uh, you know, Jake's not on here tonight. Jake is our resident Twitter expert. Um, he knows everything that's happening all the time True. on Twitter. And he wanted to make sure we got some of the quotes from the San Jose coach out here. And we quote the coach from San Jose saying, I have 10 months before I'm free. And Yikes. natural for coaches to be wanted by other clubs. If your coach is saying that, I mean, <laughs> you can't be overly confident with the direction that you're heading as a club. But, you know, they've got a new GM as of last year. They uh, picked up a couple of decent players, you know, the assist leader in Jan Gregus. Um, from Slovakia. He's got three assists on the season. Like, I think they have some good things going, but like I said, perfect time for them to head here to uh, continue to drop points and uh, continue their worst start to an MLS season. I think it's I think it's right for us to show them some tough love. Yeah, with a Seves hat trick, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Alright, let's get our score predictions for this match. We are at home against San Jose at PNC Bank. The game starts at 7.30. Emmett, what do you think is going to go down? What's your score line? All right. I think we see a dub here. We keep the streak alive. We keep it going. I think we see a 2-1 victory here. I think we see a header by Teenage off of a corner kick because they listen to our podcast. They stop doing that stupid corner kick routine. And then, well, you know what else we see, Sinski? We, we see a goal from our main man, Corey Baird. <laughs> okay. I hope so. Kyle, what do you think is really going to happen? Give me your scoreline, please. Yeah, let's let's get some realistic uh, expectations in here. I think we're going to go. I think we're going to follow the three one trend. We're going to okay. take three points at home. I think I think since I mentioned Cade Cal earlier from San Jose, the, the man child that he is is going to run a goal. He's going to run the ball right into the net. Uh, but we're going to get a brace from our man Sebas, and we're going to see a follow-up goal from Fafa at home. He's he's going to start heating up a little bit. So 3-1 at home, three points to the Dynamo. Okay, so Emmett was wild, but yours, yours was a fire take. Manny, are you going to be cool, calm, collected, or you got a, a big, bold scoreline for us? No, I don't think I have anything too, too bold here. I'm going to go with a dub. We're going to keep winning. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that we're going to see, hopefully... A Sebas goal and a DQ goal. You know, he's been on a roll. I think he's three for his last three games. Saying DQ is going to score is probably a, a safe bet at this point. But yeah, that's my that's my scoreline. 2-0. Going to keep the wins coming and keep our stadium a fortress. Man, I'm super stoked about all the optimism with this home game coming up. I too am saying 2-0. I don't think we give up a goal. Hopefully our captain is back in defense and he keeps the ball out of the net. I think Clark has had to work a little too hard lately. But I think our main man... Sebis Ferreira is going to be the guy putting him in. All right, that's what happens this week against San Jose. Speaking of Sebis hat tricks, let's wrap this podcast up with our fantasy Sebis first goal of the season. He hasn't got one yet. He's come real close. Big time header over the bar, went for the bike. Manny, how do you think Sebis gets his first goal? You know what? I'm going to go I'm going to go 2 for 1 here. It's going to be a Corey Baird assist. For, for Emmett, for Emmett's glory, it's going to be a Corey Baird assist. And you know what? It's not even going to be directly like from the, the final third sideline. It's going to be from like the half field. It's going to be a half field Corey Baird assist. But the thing is, Corey Baird bloops it. He doesn't actually get it all the way there. Someone else, he, he bloops it. 
and it chips over to Sebas <laughs> where he can finish the ball right in front of the goal. But he's going to smash the mess out of that ball too. Basically, he's going to put a hole in the back of the net when he finishes the ball. And that, that's how Sebas's first goal is going to go. Man, you know, for all the all the crap we give Corey Baird, I really hope that Emmett's right and that what he's doing is a big deal to the Dynamo. I just don't see it, but I don't have Emmett's IQ. Emmett, how does Sebas get his first goal? All right. The year is 2024. Oh, my God. Oh, just my come goodness. Off back-to-back seasons of Thor going in for 15 goals each season. We give Thor a break. We've, this guy comes in we haven't seen in two years. We're like, who is this? It's Sebus. Like, wow. Didn't even know he was still on the team. That's insane. And then what happens? He wins a PK. And guess what? They don't let him take it. But then another PK. And that's where we see his first goal. A PK. 2024. Wow. 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 2024. I'm, I have no words. I don't you know. Are, you, are doing, you are doing our striker some real dirty right there. And I cannot, I cannot believe you would say that. I'm, I'm fabricasted. Kyle. I need you to take the wind out of him at sales and tell us how does this guy really score his first goal? Something beautiful. I, I don't even know how to follow that. I am I am done over here. <laughs> that was perfect. I hope to God that doesn't come true. But man, that was great. Sebus, I think uh, I'm going to follow along with Emmett a little bit. I think he gets his first goal on a penalty kick. I think that we see him claim that striker position, claim that ball. He picks up the ball after a harsh foul in the penalty area. And he says, I'm going to make this ball go in the back of the net from the penalty spot. He says, Fafa, you had your chance. You had your time last week. You were back at home in front of your family. But now it's my turn. So I think he breaks the duck with a penalty kick, blasts it into the net. And then I think he follows it up with a header off of a Griffin Dorsey cross. So I'm thinking he's going to get two penalty header done. All right. I'm going to do you guys one better. Not only does he get two, he gets them this next game against San Jose. I do. I really do think it's time. He's breaking it. He's gonna. He's gonna have his breakout game right here. It's not gonna be a PK, no sir. It's gonna be off the of one of those little cutesy him and DQ playing around in the box together, and then he just gonna he's gonna put it away very clean, very coolly in the bottom corner. And I can't wait to see the celebration because I don't know how he celebrates. If he throws up an H, man, he's really going to win me over. But I'm I'm riding hard this Sevis train. Then I think you're absolutely right. I think a Griffin Dorsey cross comes in, and I think he puts it in. And I wouldn't mind if Corey Baird puts it in. I wouldn't mind if Mild, Bear, Mild Butter gets the ball off his feet, into the air, steps his head into the net. But that's what's going to happen. He's going to have a cutesy 1-2 one, one, with Quintero that he's going to coolly finish in the bottom corner. And then he's going to have a header that's just going to blow the keeper out of the water with it. That's how he ends the game and breaks his duck. Sinski, I just want to say thank you for not choosing a PK for his first goal like these two lame people over here. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. No, I'm hey. on I'm on Team Sevis. Hey. Like, like Emmett said, you know, an assist is an assist. A goal is a goal. That's all we need, <laughs> baby. <laughs> a win's a win. Doesn't matter if it's by an inch or a mile. My boy Dom said that. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up the pod tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the content. We love putting this stuff out for you guys. It's a blast. It's wonderful. If you have feedback, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. We want to learn. We want to grow. We love you guys. Thank you all for being here with us. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Berry, Kyle McGuire, and Emmett Rumfield. 
Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff and marketing and social media from Zach Bellow. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Hold your freaking horses. Perfect. Cool, cool. We all good? That's got to be the name.